Zipper rolls out to the right. Pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Who's got it better than us? Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Four years have passed since we played Notre Dame down in South Bend. We took a thumping at the hands of the Irish, 31 to nothing. I don't think that's going to happen again this time around. Coach Brian Kelly and the Irish are coming off a 10-3 season. It had its highs and lows, but ended on a high note in the bowl game with a thrilling win over LSU. On our visitor segment in just a minute, we will take a look at Saturday's opener from a Notre Dame perspective and find out more about what is expected to be a very good Fighting Irish team. Our guest will be editor Lou Simoji from Notre Dame's Blue and Gold Illustrated. Before Lou joins us, my view from Section 17. I, for one, am glad Notre Dame is back on the schedule. Not all Michigan fans are, and I do understand that. But the Notre Dame-Michigan rivalry is just that, a true and great rivalry. Since the series resumed in 1978, it is dead even. Notre Dame and Michigan have each won 15 times, and there was one tie. There have been so many great games in this series, and my guess is that after Saturday night, we will include this one. Here's another reason I love this game. In the last 40 years, no other rivalry in college football has had games decided on the last drive or play as many times as these two teams. Notre Dame thinks they can be a playoff team this year, and Michigan, of course, wants to prove we are back, finally, as an elite team. One game won't make it so, but a win in South Bend in that atmosphere against a jacked-up Notre Dame team would be huge. Blue and Gold Illustrated editor Lou Simoji isn't sure how good either of these two teams are, but as he says, it's at least a good barometer game for both schools. He joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
back with us on our visitor's segment after a few years is editor of Blue and Gold Illustrated, Lou Simoji. Lou, great to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Mike. Well, Lou, from my point of view, and I think a lot of Michigan fans, and I'm sure a lot of Notre Dame fans, it's great to have the Irish back on the schedule. And to open the season, it is always a great barometer uh, for both teams, especially this year, isn't it? It is, and when you talk about barometers, I just put up a story here I'm about to. This season, this series is so even mm-hmm. since the renewal of it in 1978. Notre Dame has won 15 times, Michigan has won 15 times, and there's been one tie. Uh, but the interesting aspect of it for Notre Dame is the years that it has either beaten or tied Michigan, that's 16 times, um, they overall finish with a 75% winning percentage. You know, three out of four games and so, and half of the time they finished in the top 10. When they lose to Michigan, they end the season on a 55%. That's a 20 percentage point difference. Mm-hmm. And in eight, uh, eight of those 15 seasons, they either finished 500 or below. Now, I don't think it'll be that dramatic either way this year, but... Um, there's always a lot riding on this game as far as setting a tone for the season. Well, Lou, it's a typical opener in the sense both teams do have question marks, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Has Coach Kelly officially named a starter at quarterback yet? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Wimbush is the starter. Yeah, there's never been really any secret about that. He took every uh, first-team rep during the spring that we saw. You know, when practices were open as well as in the spring game, he worked exclusively with the first unit and carried over into the fall. He started 12 games last season. They've invested a lot into him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outstanding runner. You know, one needs to work on consistency with the passing, especially with the short game. But, you know, as a first-year starter, he accounted for 30 touchdowns last year, uh, 16 of them. Uh, through the year, 14 rushing, which was a single-season Notre Dame record, uh, the latter uh, by a Notre Dame quarterback. Well, that Notre Dame offensive line has three starters back. The two losses were huge. Uh, First-round picks, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. Has Coach Kelly talked about how that offensive line is coming along? Yeah, well, it's technically really four starters back because last year uh, Robert Hainsey and uh, Tommy Kramer basically you know, we're a cat team at right tackle. So um, this year they moved Kramer inside to right guard. They flipped uh, Alex Barsh, who started at right guard last year, to left guard where Quentin Nelson started. And um, so they have four guys basically who essentially uh, were starters last year. Liam Eichenberger, Jr., um, who, you know, our analyst Brian Driscoll had him as the top recruit for Notre Dame in the 2016 class. He's moved to left tackle, so he's got quite a uh, lofty expectations to live up to because Brian Kelly, in his eight seasons, has coached 103 games at Notre Dame, and in each of those 103 games, he had a future first-round pick at left tackle, starting with Zach Martin, who's already a four-time Pro Bowl player, Ronnie Stanley, a first-round pick, and then Mike McGlinchey, a first-round pick. So, you know, there's lofty standards there, and you got a new coach with Jeff Quinn after Harry Easton had coached the line for six seasons. So, yeah, there, there's 
the talent is never lacking there. You have a couple of fifth-year seniors leading the charge again, both our captains, Alec Bars and then uh, Sam Mustafer at center. Uh, is there, you, you don't just lose two first-round picks and both top-ten caliber picks yeah. at that and say, oh, everything is fine and there shouldn't be any drop-off. Uh, you just don't lose players like that and you know replace them just – uh, without any problems or so, but uh, they've rec- tight end and offensive line are positions that Notre Dame consistently year after year just recruits very well. Well, last year's leading rusher, Josh Adams, now in the NFL. Who are we going to see getting the carries or the bulk of the carries on Saturday night? Well, Tony Jones is slated as a starter junior last season. He got a little banged up last season and wasn't quite healthy with a high ankle sprain that he suffered in the um, third game of the season against Boston College. Didn't really start coming around until maybe the second half of the season. Ran for 234 yards total. He's more of a you know, pounder between the tackles type of guy. He'll get you hopefully those four or five crucial yards there. Um, they, they lost a lot at running back besides Josh Adams. He also lost uh, Deion McIntosh. He's at East, Community, East Mississippi Community College last chance you because of a disciplinary issue. Um, C.J. Holmes also, uh, likewise, he transferred to Penn State. Uh, similar reasons there and um, you know the status of Dexter Williams who averaged 9.2 yards per carry is a little bit murky Um, you know Brian Kelly has been asked numerous times and will probably be asked again at today's conference uh, what is the status of Dexter Williams and each time his answer has been that uh, you know he can't comment on it Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a little murky (laughs) there um, nothing has been officially said by the university, um, but many suspect it's a situation similar to last year where wide receiver Kevin Stefferson uh, missed the first four games because of violation of team rules. But um, again, nothing has been said where I cannot absolutely, you know, definitively say that, uh, you know, he's not going to be playing. But in the four open practices that we had in August, his lips, his reps were quite limited. Uh, so consequently, what they had to do was they moved two players to running back, both of whom redshirted last year as freshmen. Avery Davis was a backup quarterback, but mm-hmm. very proficient runner in high school, too, ran for over 1,000 yards as a high school senior quarterback. Uh, and then Jafar Armstrong uh, from this ship Meade in Kansas City, powerhouse there. He was set all kinds of state records uh, for receiving, but uh, just has a natural um, instincts as a uh, running back, and Brian Kelly has been successful in the past uh, with this uh, C.J. Procise, who was a third-round pick in 2016. He didn't move to running back until his senior year, again, because out of need, and he became a thousand-yard rusher that yeah. year. So um, they've had a good eye for being able to uh, use people or move people to running back. Well, the receiving core lost Equinemius St. Brown to the NFL. Uh, Chase Claypool had 29 grabs at wideout last year. He's back. Who are some of the other guys battling for time on the outside? Well, Miles Borkin has been there alpha figure at wide receiver since the spring. Um, you know, it's a fine thing. He 
and through his first three years, he has only 18 career catches at 12 last year. But man, that last one against LSU, a 55-yard, just as one of the you know great yeah. passing plays in Notre Dame history, one-handed stab, uh, avoided a couple defenders, won 55 yards for the game-winning score with a minute 28 left, and was named the game MVP. And earlier, he made another spectacular catch on a third and long to set up the second touchdown. So, you know, ever since then, he's kind of become that figure that, okay, this is who they will look at to uh, maybe be the alpha at, at the receiver position and hopefully a tight end, somebody such as Alexander Mack, who hasn't, you know, quite fulfilled his immense potential yet as the number one tight end recruited in the country in 2015. Uh might be another appealing target. Weather Center visitor segment this week as we get ready for the big opener down in South Bend uh, on Saturday night is the editor of Blue and Gold Illustrated, Lou Simoji. Lou, uh, that Notre Dame defense should be very good this year. Eight of 11 starters are back. Talk about some of the key players on that side of the ball. Well, I mean, most will tell you it's nine of 11, and that's not, I think, even including Aloha Gilman, uh, transfer from Navy. Okay. who started all 12 games as a freshman in 2016 and played very, very well against Notre Dame when they maybe defeated Notre Dame once the leading tackler to get a career-high 12 tackles. And um, Yeah, it's one of the more veteran defense. You not only have uh, nine starters returning, but then you have about four or five other players who started a minimum of three games. Um so there's been a good rotation. They had some freshmen rotate up front last year, too, uh, that now are stronger and you know more well-versed in the overall system. I think you have potential star power at each of the units there. Jerry Tillery is basically a fourth-year starter along the defensive line. Uh, was looking to, you know, weighing his options to potentially turn pro last January, decided to come back, and He's now at the three technique instead of nose guard, and even at nose guard last year, he led the team in sacks and quarterback hurries, which is very unusual for that position. Tavon Carney at linebacker and Drew Tranquil, two-time captain, both of them. I think there's, Notre Dame is only one of eight teams to have two uh, linebackers on the Butkus Award watch list. Uh, Coney had an outstanding season, lead tackler with 116 last year, 13 for lost yardage, playmaker, hard hitter. And then Julian Love, that cornerback, had a remarkable season, second team, Sports Illustrated, All-American as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, broke up the school record 20 passes, returned two interceptions for touchdowns, and wins against ranked teams such as Michigan State and NC State. So when you have that kind of star power at each of the three levels on defense. Uh, uh, that, that bodes well uh, you know, to get some improved play at safety. Uh, hopefully Gilman uh, can help provide that. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 things are in place as far as just a combination of experience, production, uh, balance, and depth there. You know, the question there for many is, Clark Lee is going to be a first-time defensive coordinator. We will be calling a defense for the first time. And, you know, he's going to get some veterans there on that Michigan side. Jim Harbaugh knows how to call a game on offense. And, you know, even Jim McElwain, he was a, uh offensive coordinator for two national champions at mm-hmm. Alabama. 
Ed Warner, uh, offensive line coach, uh, has you know, won a national title at Ohio State, spent some time here at Notre Dame, too, building the line under Kelly. Well, Lou, are there any uh, newcomers, any freshmen on either side of the ball who have made a, a big impression in camp? I think on offense, uh, the wide receiver from Florida, Kevin Austin, uh, has really put himself in the position to become a regular and see more and more snaps as the season progresses physically. Uh, he, he's definitely has that look of a junior in college as opposed to a freshman. And, you know, every time practice has been open, he's one of the guys that stands out. Houston Griffith, who was an early entrant last year, uh, safety, uh, he started really coming on late in the spring. It was slowed a little bit by hamstring in August, but uh, he is Notre Dame's top recruit in the last class, ranked number 43, I believe, overall by Rivals.com. Uh, uh, so he's so somebody could be in the mix. Maybe Shane Simon uh, at the rover position as the season progresses uh, might uh, be getting some snaps, and he's been on special teams from what we've seen as well in practice. Well, it seems like it has been so long since these two teams uh, have met, Lou. Is the Notre Dame fan base excited to have Michigan back on the schedule? Uh you know, I can't speak for the entire fan base, yeah. but yeah, usually this is the type of game that gets uh, blood boiling for many a Notre Dame follower. Uh, absolutely. And uh, it's like we said, it's a barometer setting type of uh, game. Well, the atmosphere uh, for Michigan Notre Dame games doesn't matter where it's played in South Bend or in Ann Arbor, it's, all, it's always electric. But this year, uh, down in South Bend, game day is going to be there. It's a, a national game under the lights, and it's a greenout. Uh, how often has Notre Dame pulled greenouts in the past? I don't really recall a greenout as far as, you know, just the entire yeah. stands. But what I really don't recall is just um, the publicity attached to it. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes they'll say, hey, let's have a greenout. I'll say, oh, okay. Uh, but it's not always coordinated. Yeah. Um, the execution of it. But, uh, yeah, they, for several weeks, have been uh, talking about this. Well, final question for you, Lou. Um, you know, I'm an old guy, so I can remember when this series resumed. And, you know, I think since then we've been treated to so many classics in the series. The Harry Oliver field goal uh, to win it sticks with me. Uh, that's one I'll never forget. But there have been so many other great moments and games. Is there a game or a moment in this series that stands out to you? Well, that Harry Oliver game certainly was very special. But uh, look, anytime you win a national title, yeah, uh, and that 1988 game, look, Notre Dame was coming into that opener against Michigan with a three-game losing streak, sort of like Michigan is this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, with Notre Dame, um, not sort of, but is. Uh, and you, you didn't really know what you had, and you know, out of nowhere, Harry Al- or uh, Reggie Hole. Five five one hundred thirty five kicker, uh, you know, kicks goes four for four. Um, Tony Rice, who is just maligned and ridiculed to no end as a passer, he starts off zero for eight with an interception. And, you know, in today's game, man, you would be pulled so quickly. But he led that final drive, made some huge plays. A 21-yard scramble, an 18-yard pass. On third and four, he kept the chains moving with a great second effort to get the first down. Then kicks the winning field goal with uh, minute 18 last, and then Michigan drives down 
And Mike Gillette, one of the most clutch kickers they've ever had, who just, you know, minutes earlier had kicked one from 49 yards, lining up for the game-winning 48-yard field goal. And, you know, from the TV angle, it looks like it's going through, and then it just falls short and goes wide. And there's mm-hmm. just such an immense, you know, a, a, exhaling that, oh, my gosh, survived. And um, who would know that, you know, Four months later, there you're the national champion, and everyone talks about that Miami game, 31-30, as one of the all-time classics. But man, you can't forget that Michigan game that year because Michigan was a phenomenal team that year. Went on to win the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl, and you know their only two losses were to number one Notre Dame by two points, missing a field goal in the final seconds, and then to number two Miami after leading Miami 30-14 to 14 with about less than eight minutes to go. Yeah. <laughs> and lost 31-30. So uh, that one is one that, you know, if I had to pick one, that, that stands out for those reasons. Well, Saturday night's going to answer a lot of questions for both of these schools, whatever happens. I think it's great to have Notre Dame back on the schedule because that gives us a chance to chat with Lou Samoji, editor of Blue and Gold Illustrated. So, Lou, enjoy the game, and we look forward to having you back again next year. Okay, Mike, thank you very much for having me. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits, other than Tariq Black's injury, nothing new to report. Jim usually doesn't go into much detail on injuries, and he didn't this week. So other than the usual early season bumps and bruises, we are in good shape for the opener. Here are a few game day notes. Michigan leads this series with 24 wins against 17 losses and one tie. The first meeting was on November 23, 1887, down in South Bend, an 8-0 Michigan win. Notre Dame won the last meeting with us down in South Bend 31 to nothing on September 6th of 2014. Brian Kelly is 69 and 34 in his 8 years at Notre Dame and 122 and 56 overall in 15 years as a head coach. Last year Notre Dame was 10 and 3 and finished the season ranked number 11. They returned 14 starters, 6 on offense, 8 on defense. They beat LSU 21-17 in the Citrus Bowl earlier this year. According to my Weather Channel app, the weather in South Bend Saturday will be overcast with a 50% chance of rain or thunderstorms developing in the afternoon and a chance of scattered showers during the game. Winds will be gusty and temps will be in the mid-70s at kickoff. So it's finally here. No more speculation, previewing, or daydreaming about the season. It's here, I'm ready, and I know you are too. Next week on Michigan Game Day, my scheduled guest is going to be the angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. We will recap the Notre Dame game and look ahead to the home opener. 
On Thursday's Visitors Edition, we'll be joined by the radio play-by-play voice of Western Michigan, Robin Hook. So that will do it for now. Michigan, Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. in South Bend. We're ready, and let's hope our Wolverines show up and do whatever it takes to get a W in what will be a madhouse environment. It should be fun. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Think victory, beat Notre Dame. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!